1: Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we celebrate Keyforge, its wonderful community and the excitement of discovery. And today I am joined by co-host Zach Armstrong. Hello everyone, this is Zach. And we have a special guest today, uh, Nathan Starwalt from Tabletop Royale. Hello, uh, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the cast and I must say that you guys uh, have, it's pretty apt me saying that we're part of the Starship Discovery today because I think you both have great names for astronauts and (laughs) (laughs) making me question my second name currently. Starwalt and
0: Armstrong, (laughs) yes, I think we're, it's an awfully stellar, uh, we'd certainly be members of, uh, we'd we'd be the the, the Star Alliance, we'd be the Star Alliance.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Grand grand Starwalt Alliance. (laughs) (laughs) Interstellar. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So today we are going to be learning a little bit more about Tabletop Royale and indeed streaming in Keyforge and what it looks like how maybe our audience can get into it as well, and what we can expect from Nathan and Tabletop Royale in the future. But first, we of course do like to get to know our guests a little bit better by asking them a few questions about themselves. So, Nathan, if our guests haven't come across Tabletop Royale before, we're gonna dive into it much more in 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 our in our main segment. But what's the what's the headline? What is Tabletop Royale? Tabletop Royale is
2: me and my friend, Justin, basically sitting down, playing Keyforge and streaming it. Um, we do that on Twitch. Uh, we will take those videos. We'll put them on YouTube afterwards. But uh, yeah, for the most part, we when, we when we wanted to make the stream, we wanted to make it content that we wanted to see. So at the time, not a lot of people were playing Keyforge. And so we decided to basically just start streaming KeyForge games on Twitch. Um, and that's what we've been doing ever since. So we've been doing that for over a year now, probably close to about 15 months. Um, and uh, it's it's almost always been fun.
1: Awesome. And we'll be hearing a lot more about that, I think in a few moments. But let's rewind the clock a little bit to begin with Nathan and uh, ask you, what is what is your background? How did you get into games? And then how did you discover Keyforge? So uh, I would say the vast majority of my game
2: experience came from um, the 12 years that I worked for hobby stores. Actually, it's, it's a little bit over 12 years now, um, probably close to 15 years. I took a hiatus um, to work a soul-crushing job at a bank. I... Started playing card games in 1996 or so. I think I was, uh, you know, like 13 at the time. The first card game I started playing was the Star Wars uh, card game that Decipher made. Hmm. Uh, The classic one. It's been out Mm -hmm. of print. That game's been out of print for over 15 years now. Um, But... Uh, that was the first game I played. I played a lot of other games since then when I was 16 at the time. I started working at the local game store, local hobby store and was kind of a fixture in that store for a long time and played a lot of stuff working there. Uh, I would play games when they came out. like I would I would take a look at a game, think it was like really cool, play it, um, you know introduce a uh, bunch of people to it through working at the store. So I've I've played so many card games that have just like come and gone over the years, um, you know. I've I've seen like you know I I can I remember living multiple editions of D and D releases. Um, you know, so like I remember <laughs> sure, when sure. three came out. I remember when fourth edition came out. I remember when fifth edition came out um and so i've always enjoyed playing games but somewhere along the way i realized that uh working in a game store is not actually a career and uh that's when i left and went to go do other stuff um and have bounced around a couple of jobs before i finally found something that i like um in um cybersecurity uh so i i still get to do like a lot of adversarial stuff right like i'm trying to outthink people um so i think that a lot of like the game theory you know skills are still applicable to to, like my actual day job um so you know that's that's more or less catches us up to current so
1: well, sure. Nathan, you and I work in exactly the same field. Ah, uh, we'll, also, we'll uh, have to compare notes on that later. Um, <laughs> we will do. We will do. Game theory is certainly central to that, and I th- I do feel there's a crossover into KeyForge to a certain extent there as well, particularly when it comes to adaptive and oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. some of the other uh, more socially social deduction elements of KeyForge introduced by certain different uh, formats.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like that experience across all the different card games. I uh, you know Bouncing Deathquark mm-hmm. has talked about the, you know, the value of playing many different card games. So you can get to the point where you're seeing the win condition kind of from a, a meta level. What do you would yeah. you say that playing a bunch of different card games has helped you see like how to get to a win condition in a different game elsewhere?
2: Yeah. And that's, um you know, the, like uh, there's concepts that, Transcend card games that are like applicable through all games. The concept of tempo, concept of like card advantage, Um, Mm -hmm. even like poker. I would say um, has relevant skills about like reading your opponent. Um, You know, all those skills uh, honed over a lifetime at this point. um, They all help with KeyForge. And then there's like this these these other intangible skills that I think a lot of uh, other content creators. Um, are zeroing in on that Keyforge has unique. I, I, I was talking to uh, Cav from Archons in Atlanta. He started a uh, an article series, um, and it, uh, he, he his day job is like data science, and so you know he's starting the series where he's like uh, working through, you know the the draw order of your deck. Because I think there is like a gut feeling that a lot of players have, where they're like, my deck at this point has got a lot of one house that's left, you know, and and trying to like s- suss out and 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 determine like when you know you need to like start looking for a specific house. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just excited to see where he's gonna take that series. Yeah, um, but that's like something unique to Keyforge, right? It's not like in Magic. If you're playing a two color deck, you're not like Oh man, I think I still have like 30 green cards left in my deck. I better start calling green um, in preparation for that. You know, I, I think that's Keyforge has its own unique set of skills that it's. We're still in like the very early days
1: of figuring all that stuff out. Definitely, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, and <laughs> needless to say, I think you've it, you've figured this out pretty well because you've recently had some real competitive success in Keyforge, which is pretty hard to come by really so <laughs> when did you decide to take keyforge competitively was it really from the offset when it released or was it more of a progressive thing uh i think it was a combination of the two so whenever
2: i play a game i am actually fine with not being the best player at the game but if i'm going to play a game i want to play the best that i can and i do like seeing how far i can get in a game and that's been true for basically every game that i played now there are a a lot of card games i would say like star wars destiny the um, the recently deceased game from also from fantasy flight i i never took that game seriously um and i would travel with my friends but i did not care if i won or lost that game because there was just way too much dice rolling in it when i when i play games i do want to be very good at them and I know it may take some time to be good at The first Vault Tour I played in, I think I went 1 and 2 and just dropped because I didn't know at the time that like your standings for Vault Tours were, were going to matter um, for Worlds Invites. And so mm. like, I dropped to go play in side events because um, I was like, ah, my deck's not good enough, and I'm just getting absolutely crushed by people. And um, then Ooh. I went to go play in the side events and did fairly well on those. Uh, I, I, and we had, we'd been streaming Keyforge for several months at that point. I guess it was, uh, really, uh, AOA is when we got very competitive. And I think it was because yeah. we had played so much more Age of Ascension on stream than mm-hmm. the average player had at the time. Yeah,
0: of course. Of course.
2: So, yeah. I mean, I, I am always competitive when it comes to a game. I just, um, depending on how seriously i take it so once once we had like a little bit of success that's when we really wanted to like just keep going to events and and we kept doing well i mean like justin won an archon event we were not expecting that at all we we Mm. were pretty down on archon after coming back from the gen con vault tours yeah and uh we were like man archon's a garbage format you know you're gonna have to spend two thousand dollars to get a deck like we've mm-hmm. despite the fact that between the two of us we've opened like a hundred decks each set we're never gonna have anything worth taking to a vault tour we go to packs. we're expecting nothing our expectations for the for the archon vault tour were completely rock bottom i was like if yeah. i get three three mm-hmm. i am
0: happy and then justin sure. wins the thing and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> which which at that point was a tabletop royale's second vault tour victory yes. right between the two yeah games. it was yeah. amazing that's yeah.
1: amazing you guys have got a better competitive record than a lot of a lot of dedicated teams out there so, <laughs> so that's amazing
0: yeah i won't name any other uh dedicated keyforge podcasts you two are doing better than competitively um the viewers <laughs> listeners may be able to guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um and something oh, something you said nathan i think is um uh, not a rare opinion in keyforge but i think it's such an important one that you said that you play and uh, often you don't you know you don't care as much if you win as much as getting better which I right. think is the best attitude to take even if your goal is to get better and win especially in a game like Keyforge where like as a community like we're figuring this game out together right like yes yes and if i
2: didn't have a lot of my games recorded the vast majority of games that i've played recorded i think people would think i would i was lying about the results of some games or matchups right because if you sit down you look at two decks and you're like this deck wins like 100% of the time i would be like well you would think that but i have video evidence of me losing with that deck <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know so there's like there's just so many like uh, uh, assumptions from card games that you just have to like toss out when you're playing yeah. Keyforge.
0: Mm-hmm. You Very true. You
2: can't take that with you. Uh, An example from the, the previous Vault Tour that I played at uh, this was uh, Fort Worth um, for the, the people listening to this in the future. At Fort Worth, my fifth round opponent was 12 years old and he was 4 and 0. We played and I won. And the entire time we played, I was thinking he could beat me at any moment. Right. Like, I should not underestimate this opponent. Of he course. is 4 and 0. Mm-hmm. He is 12 years Maybe. old, but that does not matter. Like, you know, and we ended up playing again later um, during a, a reversal event, and he trashed me. Like, I did not forge a key <laughs> against him. And I was like, I was right. Like, I, I, I know I should not underestimate. You should, you should never underestimate an opponent in a key forge tournament, um, nice. or will, you will just straight lose that game.
0: Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I've heard, I've heard yep. that, that, uh, that philosophy and, you know, uh, sports as well, many other kinds of competition, even if a, if a team is big, um, I won't name the college football team. I happen to be a fan of, um, in case we have any Bama fans out there, but, uh, <laughs> the attitude is always, everybody's playing hard to try to beat you. So even if you right, think exactly. you're good and they're, you know, quote unquote ranked low or whatever, like, especially in Key Forge where, you know, you haven't been recruiting, you know, strong young people for a few years for your team. You, may, you just have a bunch of random cards in the deck and they might have the silver bullet so
2: yeah you're right. Well, and you can just get lucky too right like the cards mm-hmm. can just fall in the right order and it did not matter what you did your opponent just crushes you um and and like I know like if you come from competitive magic or some other games that kind of like thing if you take that with you into this game you're setting yourself up for a lot of th- disappointment mm-hmm. and if you can somehow let go of that, um, and and realize how awesome that is for the game. Then um, you will have that much more fun.
1: Nathan, how has your day two success uh, changed your approach to streaming that you guys do, or or has it even changed your approach? So uh,
2: I think it's probably like the other way around, right? Like I think our streaming prepared us to make it to day two, okay. um, more so than us being competitive would have like changed the way we streamed one of the, one of the, and I don't do this as nearly as much as I should, um, because a lot of times we're trying to play fast. And when we're streaming, we're, we're like chatting with the people that are watching us. Um, So we find ourselves like very distracted while streaming. And so when I actually like get to sit down at like a tournament and like tune out all the distractions and just focus on the game in front of me, um it's amazing how much more focused I can be in those situations.
1: Kind of practice environment. It's almost like sports people training at altitude so that when, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. when they get for... to the match there's less distractions. <laughs> yeah,
2: except I don't have to like steal someone's blood to play Keyforge uh more competitively. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but that's uh, uh... <laughs> that's positive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Well, I guess. What I would key forge
1: doping look like? I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, right. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think it would I so that's uh that's actually one of the things that I was concerned about for deck lists, right? So um would would be card doping where you like you somebody's deck has like it 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 comes with like two copies of like a really good card, but somebody slips in like a third card when people aren't looking and so like when you play a game you you see two copies of it um and then you you they win the game before they ever get to like the third copy but uh the organized play events that i've been to have been so good about deck checking i am almost not worried about um cheating in Keyforge because i think Mm. it will get caught um very quickly
1: yeah, interesting. Interesting. I, 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 haven't come across any deck checking at vault tours in Europe yet, but okay. um, I, I, I haven't been to a day two, so <laughs> I think that probably explains why. Uh, Yeti uh, is the
2: organization running the vault tours in um, America, and uh, their day two—I um, I don't want to call it policing, but like their day two procedures have been, uh, they're just, they're they're amazing. You show up to go to play day two, you take your deck, you turn it in. You do not have your deck before you sit down to play the game for, like, whatever the first game is on day one. They keep your deck off to the side. They've gone through it. They checked it right there. They check it in between games as well, just to make sure you're not slipping stuff in there. Um, Something else they do is they actually examine sleeves to make sure that the sleeves aren't marked i have been told to replace sleeve. i'm just a naturally violent shuffler so um, my (laughs) sleeves will get marked up throughout the day and whatnot um but uh they will have you swap sleeves out just to make sure that Mm -hmm. um there's nothing about your deck that can be considered cheating and and honestly i think that's a good thing um you know it's we're a couple months removed from the the, from the big uh cheating controversy in in keyforge but there's there's no question that the people who have won vault tours in uh North America since that event have won them legitimately
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially especially with Yeti at the wheel there, I think they all right, right. you know, could have had bright, you know, bright careers in airport security with the <laughs> the level of detail they've gone into there. So, yeah, shout out to them. They run they run some great events, and I was very impressed when I saw their procedures at Richmond uh where we got to spend some time. I was very impressed with.
1: Them. Oh, it's good to hear. That's good to hear. And I think in Europe, you know, every voltor winner I've met doesn't doesn't come across like a cheater, and I think <laughs> I think they would be They would be adequately picked up uh, before that point. Anyway, going back to something we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, Nathan, with your tournament success, if there are any tips that you could give to maybe players looking to up their game skill or maybe other other content creators looking to uh, (laughs) up their tournament wins, uh, what would those tips be? We are listening intently to this one. Zach, <laughs> exactly, you take the notes. Uh,
2: so Sealed sealed is really like, it's its its own strange format, right? The decks that do well in Sealed are almost always going to be good, right? Like You, you never see a deck that in your, and you're wondering like, oh, how did that get there? And I think a lot of people think that they won't open a deck that can make it to the top cuts in a vault tour. But I th- I think a lot of people misevaluate the decks that they open. Honestly, playing a set against itself is probably some of the most valuable experience that you can get. I know like Archon is a- it is its own creature that I'm a lot less prepared for. Um, but with sealed, just due to the the format that we play on stream, we end up playing a lot of like mid level decks against each other, decks that aren't really remarkable, but finding ways to win with those decks in close games. Um, that's that I think is, is the the struggle, and that's like really the the difficult part that I think a lot of people discount when they're looking at the decks that they open. Yeah, uh, uh, if I can brag on Justin a little bit, he had a uh, top eight performance at um, the national championships, and that was sealed triad. And I think two of his decks were like sub sixty sas, and that was because and he he was able to push those decks because we had played so much AOA sealed at the time that he knew. Which boards were ones that you needed to reap with, and which ones were ones where you could actually afford to play cards from your hand, and um, I, I do think if you play enough sealed games, you'll see those board states show up from time, uh, you know, time and time again, where something like generating three amber on the board is going to be more valuable than playing four cards from your hand. And that is counterintuitive to, to the way that a lot of people have learned to play Keyforge.
0: Certainly, certainly. And I, I have to agree with you on just um, Justin's quality of analysis and board state analysis in the middle of aoa i had the honor of actually i think being at the table with you two when we all opened our decks for that particular tournament and justin i think counted himself out essentially yeah justin was like well i suck and i was like mm-hmm. i was super excited and then
2: you flash forward 12 hours justin is like five and one mm-hmm. his only loss being to Co dameron who eventually goes on to win the tournament right. And i'm like two and four <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I it was very funny. Uh, that was, I think, that was actually where we met, uh, Zach. I did wanna, I did wanna bring up this anecdote because I was just kind of like
0: walked up to you in the hotel, was like, "Hey, you don't know me, but I follow you on Twitter." <laughs> <laughs> this that is one of my favorite little stories. That it's the only time I've been recognized off the internet by somebody I you know hadn't met. And (laughs) I felt for a brief moment, I was like, wow, like, I mean, I, I tweet a lot, I guess enough to be recognized. I feel special. And then I looked you up and I went... Wow, I really should have recognized him. This is the much more visible <laughs> internet personality. He is just very gracious and very involved in Keyforge. <laughs> it was amazing, it was a guys. lovely little introduction there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I like I since then I've like cooled it on just like walking up to people and saying, Hey, do I know you're from Twitter? <laughs> right.
0: Well, you you uh you top checked you top decked that one because I have uh my, my boundaries are usually set by those of what keeps people around me comfortable. So uh, you can <laughs> yeah so uh, all that to say strangers on the internet if you're around athens georgia and you see a curly haired white boy you think is playing keyforge feel free to feel free to see if it's me <laughs>
1: you're gonna get all those stalkers coming for you now yeah. zach <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> they're, they're in the car now they're yeah, driving all those, <laughs> those keyforge
0: stalkers we get yes yeah. Yeah, let me
2: tell you let me tell you there's a lot there's a lot <laughs> As a oh, streamer, no. you won't believe the number
0: right. of Keyforge stalkers out there. Have to get some advice from you off mic there, Nathan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Prepare yourself. For that. Mm. Prepare yourself. Mm. Okay, uh, so Nathan, before we dive into our our focus topic, I have to say you were you, you were part of probably one of the most viral events in Keyforge oh, yeah. to happen, and this is dis yeah, so uh yeah. have you have you learned to love this yet or <laughs> are, are you are you still are you still struggling to to recover from from that incident
2: that event to me still blows my mind looking at it objectively i don't think there was anything wrong with worlds collide from a larger scale right i think it was probably a logistics issue. Like I think it had to do with like how the decks were printed. Um because yeah. I'm I'm if I had to guess, I I would assume that the algorithm, you basically plug into the algorithm the number of decks that you want printed at any given time. Yeah. And then the algorithm's gonna generate those decks just to make sure it's gonna generate all of them before any of them get printed just to mm-hmm. make sure that there aren't any duplicates that are in there. And then when it printed them, I could very easily see, uh, you know, before I got into cybersecurity, I did, um, a lot of QA work on, um, a web app. And so the, the bugs and stuff that I experienced there were just, this reminded me of that, where it was like, oh, we did this thing. Um, and it accidentally, we got these results because we forgot about like this final step of just shuffling the decks when they were generated. Um, Mm -hmm. so they just end up all of the disc decks are generated all in the same block or whatever Um, Mm -hmm. and then they all get printed together instead of being shuffled around however they're supposed to and so we end up with like a bunch of them Um, and I like I want to make sort of like a public apology about that because I felt like there were a lot of people who latched on to that event as like their evidence they needed to see that like the way decks were printed um was like uh, uh, i don't know conspiratorial or mm. or something because there were a lot of people and i felt like we generated a lot of negativity accidentally.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. We didn't want
2: to do that, but we were like when we were opening this stuff we were like this is this is a statistical aberration. Like mm-hmm. we should have just bought lottery tickets if something like this was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Um you know, it's something so improbable and uh, you know, and and I like and the week after that, I felt really bad because I was like, man, um, we spoiled part of the excitement of this new set. Like, mm. there's so much cool stuff going on in Worlds Collide, and we kind of like put a damper on that. You, like, if anybody didn't buy a deck because we opened up a bunch of stuff just randomly together, I, I feel terrible
0: about that. Mm. Sure. Mm. Sure. And mm. I I do have to say that's yeah, that's that's good to hear, a, you know, cuz I I I expect nothing from generally like, you know, positivity from you and Justin. Um and I don't think you all, you know, laid into FFG at all during that, but yeah, no, people did, did, you yeah. know. People yeah. did pick up on that. And I do have to say like Keyforge, you know, completely new kind of game, right? It's not the second right. iteration of this kind of game. I'm honestly pleasantly surprised and very impressed. That the kind of biggest trip ups as far as the design of the game have been was a slight distribution error and also some hilarious names that got banned and are now collector's (laughs) items like those are those are the two things that have happened. And so I'm honestly I'm I'm impressed FFG's you know, FFG's not exactly like Walmart or Amazon. It's not a large Mm. team you know yeah overall
2: overall they're relatively small exactly and because mm. i would say that they're the especially the the team working in keyforge is probably the entire keyforge team is probably smaller than any one branch of team that works on magic you know <laughs> yeah, um, you're yes. right you're yes. right yeah so yeah, yeah and, and i i completely agree with that that like um i think overall the thing was fine and and we did we part of the reason why it made as much noise as we as it did is we were actually worried that there may have been a distribution error going into the vault tour that weekend because it was going to be the first time it was played right it was uh indianapolis um and uh and it was one of those where it was like if we go into that tournament knowing that the that there's going to be like a string of decks and I sit down, and and we didn't think it was going to be, like, localized to Dis. But, like, let's say Saurians. Let's say every single person in that room open a Saurian deck. Yeah. Um. I would prioritize finding a deck that had, like, regrettable meteors in it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um. If everybody opened Dis, I would prioritize finding decks that had EE on the fringes. Mm-hmm. Like, those cards mm. that have, like applications versus a specific house and i felt like that was unfair knowledge for us to have if there was a distribution error and so i felt like we needed to let people know that there's a potential one and yeti to their credit opened up every single deck Mm. and saw that it wasn't that way
1: um that's that's commitment to sort of trust to building trust yeah yeah
2: and um could you figure it was over it had to have been close to 500 total decks that were opened um because i think indianapolis was like 170 people or so Mm -hmm. like it was and everybody got strong turnout yeah it was a very big turnout so um i was uh you know like yeah it's definitely it's when whenever we we like I I talked about. uh, I think it was a monkey's paw kind of effect because I was like, "Man, Justin, if we could ever get like a really good viral event, I think our stream would blow up." And then it was just, "Oh, here you go. Here you open seventy two discs. and now every time stream, yeah, (laughs) yeah, now, now every time somebody." Somebody um, comes up with a dispun, pun. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna tweet it to you as mm-hmm. if they were the first person to come up with it.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I yeah. think it probably naturally set off a, a bit of a response in the community because I think a particular region had had a problem with with deck allocations, maybe at the beginning or the first batch that arrived. I don't think that problem is with us anymore. From from yeah, what I've seen and what way. I've heard, Europe. Um, we haven't had any confirmed issues with with deck allocations in 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 world's collide at all, um, but there were people feeling that maybe you know they'd opened six decks and they'd all had sanctum in them or something and right, I right. Think,
2: and then, so you got to talk up and, and like I feel like sample size is what you have to talk about there exactly right? um, exactly you, know, you open six decks a row, they all have sanctum in it that is unlikely but it's possible and mm-hmm. it's possible to the point of plausible 72 mm. decks in a row from different boxes. That is an aberration. That is like truly it's we had people, you, we had people arguing over like which quintillionth of a decimal point. It was like, de- like how far removed
1: percentage wise <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, <you know. laughs> Goodness. Yeah. So you and Justin are clearly very very passionate about this game and indeed the future of this game but what excites you if you had to pick one thing what excites you most about the future of Keyforge uh,
2: I think the fact that I really have no idea what the next set is going to have in it does that make sense <laughs> especially after seeing like mass mutations with like yes. those yeah. dual cards you've got symbol- you've got like extra bonus symbols on cards mm-hmm. um the possibility like like years down the road there are cards that i think were are, are going to only ever be printed in one set and the fact that you can get like yep. a legacy version of like say a grump buggy mm-hmm. oh yeah like pair it up with like a legacy version of like the four horsemen or something right like, down the road <laughs> mm-hmm. and you just have you like suddenly have like a sweet deck that is absolutely unique in that set um like that's the kind of thing that i'm i'm thrilled for once we get uh you know a lot further in the future and there's just so many like imagine imagine legacy um uh what's his name deusillus um Mm. you know like you're, like the sure. double cards are, haven't been printed in like five years or whatever. And then somebody crack opens um, a deck and then you're playing sealed and then boom, Deosilis comes down. And you're like, holy crap, I've I've forgotten about <laughs> that guy. You know, that that uh-huh. to me is absolutely thrilling. Um, and the fact that they're willing to push design in a lot of different directions. Um, the double cards to me seem like a natural like way to 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 like push the game like you have Mm -hmm. like this super combo um that requires two cards um and when i but when i saw that card it had never entered my mind and i thought oh wow like like they they're they're willing to take what would be called like the magic unset mechanics and Mm -hmm. put that into the game firsthand sure
1: it's so Keyforge and right that's why we love it. Yeah. We have a question from one of our patrons for you, Nathan. All right. Sky Jedi asks, how many snuffs could a snufflegator snuff if a snufflegator could snuff snuff? And I, I said it all. I said it all. It didn't get tongue-twisted. So I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> but what what do you think? That
2: <laughs> sounds like that sounds like a Sky Jedi type question. <laughs> i we should uh, I wonder if that's like a, a hidden command in uh archon matrix bot oh. <laughs> um, probably, yes first. yeah uh, submit that to archon matrix bot and see what it says i was gonna say but the backstory of, uh for snuffle gator and the reason why we um use it as kind of a, a a mascot um yeah i mean snuffle gator is just a silly looking creature it's not the most powerful creature at all um but the very first time that we streamed and, and we have that on youtube it's not it's not. Particularly a pleasant viewing experience, um, but that is that's where we started. Uh, we some real life friends dropped by the stream, and one of them like reacted when we played Snuffle Gator, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you know Snuffle Gator's pretty pretty great." and they were like Snuffle Gator should be the stream mascot and i was like fine done you know it's it's the first, <laughs> first time is the first time we are uh you know we're we're streaming absolutely well snuffle gators are our mascot and um we commissioned uh one of our artist friends to draw it and i absolutely love his depiction of snuffle gator um, he made mm-hmm. it as an emote for twitch and just the 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 goofy smile that that's that snuffle gator picture has it's just it just resonates with me and i love it um i i I always wear the snuffle gator shirt at a vault tour um, and it, it's, it's brought me a lot of good luck so far. So
1: amazing, amazing. <laughs> There's one for the superstitious among our listeners. You, you can also get a snufflegator t-shirt and job done, or maybe you can try your luck with a call of discovery t-shirt on our Teespring link below. <laughs> enough of it. Enough of it. Right. Let's move into our, let's move into our main, our main topic.
0: Yeah, so we're we're today we're talking about we've got you on Nathan to talk about I think streaming and Keyforge, Tate you know, Tabletop Royale and especially the the format, because you all have put a lot of thought into the format of Tabletop Royale.
2: So when we 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 were gonna play Keyforge. When we heard about the game, um Justin and I were sold. We knew it was gonna be we, we heard about it at Gen Con... What was it twenty eighteen when uh is when it was announced. And um, I was like, Richard Garfield, check completely random decks, check. I don't even need to hear anymore. I'm gonna buy a bunch of this when it comes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um uh the game releases eventually. It was a uh, November. Um I bought two displays um just because I was like I, I knew that I was going to enjoy the game, and based off like the decks being completely random, they also had that announcement that th- there were decks that were going to have banned names. Um, I was like, man, I really want one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just I'm going to buy a bunch <laughs> of it when the game comes out. And I know it's, it's ironic FFG... that
1: that added to the draw of the game to begin <laughs> right, with. Right, right, right. Um,
2: <laughs> the uh, it, it it was one of those things where I, I know it's an FFG product. So I know the first print of it is going to be under, under available. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to get it after a couple of weeks. And so, um, and that, that comes from the game store experience. Sure. Um, that, that's where my, my gut, uh, uh basically told me you better buy this while it's available because you're, you're going to go several weeks where or even months where you're not going to be able to get this. You, you gotta get it now. So mm-hmm. I bought two displays and like a starter and Justin got two displays and some starters. And I, I remember just sitting down and just cracking deck after deck with him and just playing. And we were astounded mm-hmm. by how close those games were. Sure. And it was it was a lot of those games were just like one turn before the other person would win. And so a, a week goes by, and he's like, man, I'm thinking about buying some more. And I'm like, yeah, uh, me too. I got the itch. So we went out and we bought some more. And uh, we, got, we, we each got like uh, two more boxes. And we cracked those, burned through those. Yeah. And we we're like, wow, that was a lot of fun. Okay, let's do the math here. Let's see. Uh, 12 times 8, that's uh, you know 96 uh, plus the two start. Oh, wow, we have exactly 100 decks hmm. right here. How do we determine nice. which of these 100 decks is the best? And he was like, well, we got to have like a tournament for it. Mm-hmm. i was like all right let's do that let's, <laughs> let's figure out how to do it and i was like what if we sat down and we did like we took eight decks and we played them like swiss style against each other and then like every any deck that went three and oh in that swiss would advance to the next round and then we just like do that again and then eventually we'll get to the point where we'll have a deck that will have won all of the games that it played no nice. and um so we're like okay cool let's do that so we like we we make a spreadsheet. We sit down. We just randomly pick out eight decks, and we play. And we're, like, in our second game, and I was like, hey, do you think we should be recording this? <laughs> and he was like, well, we could certainly stream it. That would be pretty easy. Like, we, we could set it up. And I was like, we should do that. Like, we should – we finished, like, playing out the rest of the pod, and I was like, "We we really shouldn't – this is so much content. Like, if we just – actually just play these decks against each other like we we will end up with a ton of content and i bet there's nobody's making keyforge content so like i i think you know we we can provide some keyforge content for like the greater discussion about the community and stuff
1: so you guys were the first the first content creators
2: i think there were some people who made content for keyforge um, but it was not their dedicated source, and I want to say like bouncing Deathquark probably started before us. You know, th- I think there were there were several there were several other Keyforge content creators that were out there. Yeah. Um. But nobody was making like exclusive video content. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and n- very few people were streaming it on Twitch because mm. I-, I don't remember exactly when the crucible went live i think the crucible was live before the game came out because there was like a little bit of stuff and you could play it on tabletop simulator Mm -hmm. um but i forget the exact chronology um and justin and i were were just like we wanted we wanted to like focus on actual in-person play as well um And uh, Justin and I have been friends for years, so we can actually converse with each other fairly well also. Uh, Sure. (laughs) I
1: guess you'd hope that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Right, right, right. We adjusted the format um, because the the original format, like I said, was going to be pods of eight decks, uh, Swiss style. but uh, we started thinking about like, how long we wanted each stream to be, and that kind of informed um, how we changed the format. Sure. That's why we, do, um, we take four decks, and we make sure that every deck plays against every other deck on that mm-hmm. night, which is like part of the reason why um, whenever I'm talking about Keyforge, I'll talk about matchups, because you will have decks that are just awful but that deck will win a matchup because of like very specific cards that it has. The reason I know that is because I have won and lost with decks that were just truly rancid, but they have good matchups out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think if we had not forced ourselves to play like bad decks versus other bad decks or good decks versus bad Mm -hmm. decks, I don't think we would have nearly as
0: much data um, as we do on those types of matchups. Of, of course. Nice. Of course. I've always been impressed by people who have played a deck many, many times for Archon because they know exactly what matchups give them trouble, exactly what cards give them trouble. And it sounds like you all have really right, discovered right. that.
2: Yeah, well, and, and um, I would say a lot of our stuff is it's not necessarily deck-specific. Yeah. Like, our knowledge isn't specific, but it's like board state kind of specific, Um, which is what I think translates into sealed success Indeed. um you won't see the exact same boards but like let's say against like saurians any four saurians on the board can beat you sure just by reaping over and over, sure. and over again there's enough synergy between them and so it's one of those where it's like huh okay so i've played several games if my opponent has two saurians on the board i'm fine if my opponent has three saryans on the board, <laughs> I'm in trouble. If my opponent has four saryans on the board, the game will, like, treat it as if the game will end the next sure. turn. Like, mm-hmm. You have to do everything in your power to stop and, that kind of stuff from and happening. And
1: this is one of the fascinating things about Sealed, which I think makes it... I'm going to controversially say a a, a really skillful variant that you really do have to relearn Keyforge every time a new set comes out and every meta. You know, taking example, I was at a prime last weekend and uh, someone was at the table with me and going, ah, I'm not taking this deck because it doesn't have much Amber control. And I'm sat there thinking, well, I'm basing most of my decision here on how much board control does this deck have? Mm-hmm. Because for right. me in, in worlds collide board control is the top, the top thing in sealed. And whereas Amber control was so important in Kota to, uh, to, to rein in those rush decks. It just, it's a completely different matter. It's a completely different environment. And uh, so do, do you agree, Nathan, what do you look for in those sealed decks?
2: Yeah, so I, I actually agree with that too. Um the uh the deck I played last weekend at in Fort Worth was a dis untamed logos deck. Um in World's Collide Sealed. And the reason was my deck had two hysterias. Nice. And I knew how good hysterias were in this format. Nice. My amber control in this in the deck was uh in um, which also combined mm-hmm. well with hysteria. Mm-hmm. The deck is actually really, really good for Worlds Collide. I have no idea how it would do versus Coda, sure. but I wasn't playing against Coda, so I didn't care. Right, like it was one of those where I looked at the deck, and I had like a Logos Saurian Untamed deck that I think the vast majority of people would have taken. That deck had three Reader Gallons in it. Um, wow. you know, and and it, it, just one of those, but. The thing about that deck was the Saurians were very, very small. Mm -hmm. You had three Reader Gallants. You had, I think, like either a Draco Preco or somebody else that was tiny. Mm -hmm. And you had like a Pterosaur. But you didn't have any of the Saurians that are difficult to remove. You didn't have like a Brutodon Auxiliary. You didn't have a Tricerian Legionary. You didn't have any of the guys that get in the way um, that make it so that you just don't get pushed off the table by Brobnar. Or even some of the larger dis untamed or Star Alliance or logos possible size ways of getting to um, that
1: four saurians on the board. Yeah,
2: right, right. And so, um, I like looked at that deck and I was like, this deck is not a winner. Mm. Like, this deck can it, it won't fight for the board. It don't have the it had an axiom, but axiom is not good versus other people's saurians. It's like you have a very small window where Axiom is good, but Hysteria is always good against Star right. And the fact that I have two, and I also had like a Festering Touch, in my head I was like, well, I can Festering Touch any wards and then I can hit them with the Hysteria. Um, and so I had, I had like the answers that I needed um, it, it, for board control. Now, the Infernuses ended up being absolutely crazy Amber control, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I had... A cutthroat research i think in logos nice. and then i had like three mustic mermooks and untamed and i would say <laughs> logos without uh without eddie um logos does not have good amber control and right Once collide and untamed does not have great amber control mm. but the mermooks are like usually typically enough um so uh like if my opponent generated, I don't know, like fifteen amber or something, I wouldn't have an answer for it. I didn't have like a too much to protect, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't have a um, the the guy who got second had a legacy effervescent oh, principle of course, in the deck, of course. Um, you know, but uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like I didn't have an answer for an arbitrarily large amount of amber. Um, but that didn't matter. That wasn't my game plan. My game plan was to make sure that my opponent could
0: never develop <laughs> a board that could beat. Of me. course. Of course. Mm. So it sounds like um we've gotten to hear a lot about tabletop royale here. And it sounds like we actually have an answer to uh, the chicken and the egg question here. So it sounds like <laughs> Keyforge Keyforge happened to you and Justin first, and then that tabletop royale it's... was just born out of your you said, Oh, we're we're ta- undertaking this great this great tournament. Why not why not share it with everyone? Is that correct? Right. Yeah, that's
2: that's basically correct. Mm-hmm. It was one of those where we were we were thinking, and th- the thing is, like, um, when it comes to like content generation, I've always like wanted to do that kind of yeah. stuff before tabletop royale. I just wasn't like disciplined enough, and um, and Justin has done some str- you know just random streaming here and there of other games, um, nothing like super successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mostly you-, you end up streaming to just a handful of close friends, um, and so when we when we sat down to actually say like record the um that the first stream we were thinking if one random person shows up if one internet person shows up and says hey keyforge i like that game we will consider that a success nice and so we 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 sat down and um, we started playing. We had a couple like real life friends drop by and say, "Oh, cool! You're you're learning to play Keyforge. That's cool." And then one random dude whose whose username was like Niels, <laughs> who lived in like Belgium, shows up and is like, "Oh, Keyforge! That game's pretty sweet." And I was like, "We did it! We made it! We got one guy." <laughs> awesome!
1: Awesome! <laughs> awesome! That's no, that's that's really important. I think to mention that because in any kind of content creation you have to set your expectations to begin with and i think if people sort of think oh yes i'm going to have hundreds and i'm going to have that's just not how it works and you it's it's doing it for an audience is, uh, to begin with is probably not doing it for the right reasons so it sounds like you guys really right. went in with that right approach built something genuine and then people mm-hmm. came people that resonated well with people
2: yeah and that's and that was like i mean it, i think it's really easy to look at top streamers on Twitch and think, "Oh man, I could do what they're doing," and you're setting yourself up for just disappointment. Um, you know, a lot of those guys, I, I think. I think streaming success is a number of things. One, it's a it's a, a matter of luck, right? Like I think you you have to be in such a position where you can keep streaming. Even though you're not making money on it, and and I want to be clear that Justin and I do not break even on tabletop mm-hmm, mm, at, at all. Sure, um, we, we do it because it's it's fun, um, and so you have to be in a position where you know, like your meal isn't dependent on the streaming. Sure, yeah, sure. Um, and I think there are there are examples from other games of players who are just so insanely good that you can't help but watch that person in awe. Sure. And I don't think um this despite my tournament record, like I wouldn't consider myself so good at Keyforge yeah. that like people who don't play Keyforge should just drop what they're doing and watch us play. Like that's <laughs> that's not that's not something i would recommend and i think as we were
1: just um, saying yeah. as well it's difficult to to look at a player in keyforge and say in a binary way they're a really good player or they're a really bad player it's probably it's probably more format dependent than that as you were saying earlier right. it, you can have a good seal player certainly for the london meta here we've got some brilliant seal players that can take a mediocre deck consistently to the top table whereas we, we've got some brilliant Archon players because they either have the right decks or have the Naus to find those right decks. We have some great adaptive players as well. And I think that... Yeah, adaptive, adaptive is a whole other yeah, skill set, yeah.
2: right? Like, the, the chain, like being, able to, being able to take the input from what your opponent is, the information your opponent is mm-hmm. giving you in that first mm-hmm. game about right. their deck. Taking that information and internalizing it for when you play that deck is mm-hmm. a skill. Exactly. Um, yeah. Actually executing on their deck is a skill, and then uh, bidding chains for game three—if it gets to game three—is a whole other skill. Yeah. Right. You know? So yeah. Again, I, I completely agree with that point. That like the 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 for- like Keyforge is a is a deep enough game that the skills you need to be successful in a single format. Don't a hundred percent translate to other ones. I I don't think I have ever. I was thinking. Um, I think I, I like uh, told Aurora that on either Twitter or maybe through Reddit. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't think I have ever made a correct choice in an, an adaptive match outside of a game. <laughs> wow. right, once ever. Wow. Right. I've never bid the right amount of chains. I I just I have bid on the wrong decks. Like I, I just there's the, there's the, there's so many so many decisions mm-hmm. that go into it, and I just make all of those wrong.
1: So. Sure. <laughs> it's it's a tough sure. format and it's a very very different skill set. I mean in my head I'm thinking straight to the winter olympics here and yeah there's not one yeah. there's not one event involving skis there's many. And I think it's the right. same thing with keyforge <laughs> there's not one there's not one format involving keyforge there's many and uh, the people entering one and and winning in one are probably going to be different than the people winning in another in a few years down the line I should think.
2: Well yes. that's that's what's exciting about Worlds coming up I was going to say is that it seems like Worlds is going to be a team event and it seems like each player is going to be playing different formats each seat basically is going to be playing different formats so you like truly have to actually assemble a team um that is that's with all their various strengths uh to go to Worlds and actually do well there mm-hmm. um and that that's something that I think was like a very bold decision on FFG's part but I absolutely love that they made it. Um, all the team events that Justin and I have played in, we've always picked up like a, a like a third person at a vault tour. Mm-hmm. And I think our total record in team events um, is something like two and eight. Sure. Ouch. <laughs> 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 like, we have done just
0: absolutely terrible in team yeah. events. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah those, are, those are fun. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. <laughs>
0: Yeah, those those team events are awfully fun, and I'm very excited that they picked that for the the format for Worlds. There, very much so.
1: I think it really speaks to KeyForge. Yeah, you know, KeyForge is being much more of a community game, much more, much less adversarial, maybe than other similar games, and much more actually. Yeah, you know, we're we're just all discovering something with everyone else. Perhaps that's my rose-tinted view of the game, but I love the <laughs> fact that Worlds is a team event.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yes, same, same here. So
0: we've got uh, two more questions real quick. Sure. We'll keep them a little bit shorter. I know we've covered a lot of topics with TTR here, which is great um, that, you know, Keyforge really led the formation, the adjustments you made to, to Tabletop Royale for this. Um, and I honestly, I loved hearing about how the playing TTR and the format has prepared you all for sealed events, you know, seeing the value of matchups, what to do with certain board states, especially, you know, how set dependent that is. Um, And we've got a question here directly relating to TTR from uh, Patreon of ours, Roadrunner. Uh, Do you all have a a, a tournament structure coming up where you're going to do decks against each set from each other? We are, um, as of this recording, we have
2: just a handful of matchups left um, in the the second round of our Worlds Collide tournament. Um, And once that's done... We're gonna start our um, final guess elimination part of it to determine like which deck is going to mm. be the best in Worlds Collide, mm-hmm. and um, uh, just to I guess clear the format up. What we do um, is we play a an initial round where all a hundred decks are available, and uh, or where all a hundred decks are played initially. In any deck that goes two and one. In one of on a, on any given night, or better, so two and one and three and zero will advance to the next round. And then during that second round, that's all the decks that have made the cut. We play them again, and that'll get us down to you know roughly twenty five decks somewhere in that area. It's a little bit easier to make a bracket for that. And we we um will use those play those decks seeded into a bracket after the second round, and. Let those um uh, basically just play those out and you get seeded based off on how well you did, so like a six o deck is given a better seed than a deck that squeaked into the tournament at like say four and two um I will point out that the both decks that have won both our coda and our um a o a tournaments were decks that came into the the main turn or the the main final bracket round at four and two um so decks that were not favored to win the tournament overall um so we're 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 approaching that final bracket for Worlds Collide, um, and uh, usually what happens, or at least what happened last year about this time, is when we've uh, finished up our Call of the Archons tournament, we did a March Madness tournament to to, to play into nice. like you know, the NCAA um, basketball uh, at the time, and so that's what we're gearing up for. That's what we're going to um, end up doing. We're going to take some. Uh, of our our favorite decks and some of the decks that have done the best in our other tournaments um, and make a bracket for those and usually what we do is we'll do a giveaway Um, we'll do like either first and second place but we'll have a a bracket set up on challenge Mm. and um, players can basically submit their picks and um, we'll play the games out, best two out of three, typically. And um, we'll it, it you know it takes probably a month or so to play all the games, um, but uh, uh, it's fun following along. You know, you'll have people who are like rooting for specific decks and matchups yeah. because um, they've got that deck making a deep <laughs> run on the tournament. Um, and so, yeah, that'll that'll probably fill the time before Mass Mutations comes out, and we and we do it all again. We we get grab another hundred decks and we we make a make another turn. Awesome! So.
1: I love this idea. It's just it's just brilliant. And I think one, one, one more question on this would be for our listeners who are maybe thinking about streaming their own games, maybe thinking about getting involved in the video content of KeyForge. What tips would you have for them, Nathan?
2: Um, mechanically lighting. Okay. <laughs> Uh, lighting was the thing that we struggled with the most. Um, I know Zach's got some recording experience, um, but uh, uh, lighting, especially just like in your home or whatever, like you'll be surprised how hard it is to get the lighting right. Um, that's that's just like one mechanical uh, tip I would give. and um, But from a, I guess... A, like a like a a behavioral tip, uh, I would set a schedule for yourself, and that's what Justin and I did, and that's what lets us, um, you know, like we, it's just at this, it's basically a part time job now that we show up to you three nights a week we put a little bit of extra work outside of it, but we know before we stream, we've got some work to do after we stream, we've got a little bit of work to do. Um, But uh, keeping that schedule, letting people know where you're available and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. um, that gets people coming back.
1: Yep. Yep. so Yeah. Quite quite similar probably to the podcast experience. And that's, yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I I was going to say the the last uh, thing, it was a, it was a, a mantra that we were, uh, repeated over and over again and it was okay if we let's just get better let's just try to get better every single time that we do it let's improve on something every single time and like i said if if you go back and watch our very first stream oh man it's bad it is bad but i was like we we if we just if we're, we just gotta like basically draw a line and say we'll never re- retreat past this mm. as long as we just keep going forward mm. and we keep getting better um, you know, eventually we'll get something that that people will actually want to look forward to watching. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I I, th- I think we're close to something like that now.
1: You so. do realize you've just sparked a whole load of our listeners to go back and listen to episode one of this as well. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> to listen to. Oh my goodness! Yeah. It was that bad. Oh. Knows, man, man. <laughs> so there's, like a, there's
2: there's like a natural delivery um that you kind of have to like practice right um yeah when you whenever you're doing any kind of keyforge content it's this it's the it's the, where you eliminate like a lot of your verbal clutter and i st- there are nights where like i still will, will hear myself say like um like 15 yep. times yep. and just know like oh man i i i I cannot listen to myself
1: yeah um it, it, i i can completely sympathize with you there it takes time, and I suppose the the benefit of a podcast here is post production. the The amount yeah, yeah, of time yeah. that oh, yeah. I and Zach uh, now will take uh, taking the ums out of these episodes is is time that we will never get back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, right, yeah, but but you gotta you gotta like cover up the fact that um, you know just the all of the mistakes that you've made you know like uh, the the difference with streaming is like i'll i'll say something and be like oh man that was like stupid that was, that was
1: not
2: funny. but that's recorded that's too late like, we just got to keep going forward but that
1: adds to the authenticity of it which is i think that's brilliant yeah, and yeah. Keyforge is nothing if not raw authentic oh, and yeah. it says this is me i'm here you can either love right. me or you can hate me and that is why i love the game <laughs> <laughs> yes. Same, same here. And
0: I think that concept of drawing that line and saying, all right, let's get just a little bit better each time, you know, that's just such, such a good concept to have, you know, in life in general too. not expecting to win everything right off the bat, but just saying, you know, I want to do better than I did last time. It's such a, such a good policy.
2: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of like the philosophy for, uh, that I take for playing the game. Right um mm. it, it, the same kind of like okay that this this beat me this time i don't really want it to beat me the next time or i missed time to board wipe versus an opponent like i'll know in the future next time uh you know if i'm playing against Sarians, i'm not going to play my regrettable meteor before i see like three or four saryans.
1: Mm-hmm. exactly oh certainly it's been great to have you on, Nathan, and sharing your wisdom and experience of streaming. <laughs> You're probably making Zach and I think, how could we uh, dive into the streaming world with Call of Discovery in the future? But we will, we will certainly. You guys
2: should definitely try it. Uh, <laughs> I, I I highly recommend it. Um, it's it's uh the and the nature KeyForge means that any two decks that you play against each other it's very unlike it's unlikely that those decks have ever been or it's basically impossible for those decks to have ever been played and recorded against each other before
0: that's right
1: right. yeah that's right which is an amazing statistic and not one that you see in other games but right so where can people find you nathan if they want to find more from you or they want to check out some of your videos from tabletop royale
2: uh, so, we, our, our Twitch is just Tabletop Royale. That's relatively easy to find, um, twitch.tv slash Tabletop Royale. We also have a YouTube channel. We will put our videos up the following day um, after we stream there. Once again, just Tabletop Royale. And uh, we have a Twitter that's mostly there to let people know when we're going live, um, Justin will occasionally post some updates from that. Uh, Justin controls that Twitter account. I have my own Twitter handle. It's just uh, Nathan Starwalt One, um, and you can definitely find me uh, talking about KeyForge on Twitter all the time. Uh, it's one of my favorite pastimes now, um, talking to guys from just all over the world and getting to hear their experiences at like their local chain bound commiserating about getting beaten by. Um Tribute and Six Simper Tyrannus together. <laughs> um, so the power combo. Sure, sure. So yeah, uh that's that's where you can find me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Certainly a lot of uh, cheering everybody cheering each other on. Uh just a lot of guys and ladies cheering each other on for Keyforge on Keyforge Twitter. It's been pretty lovely to be yeah, out it's, there. Uh,
2: it's a, it's an amazing community, honestly. Um mm-hmm. the, the Twitter Twitter Keyforge um is uh, pretty much like I, i've never had what i would i would consider a negative experience i know the reddit <laughs> can sometimes turn into a flame <laughs> <laughs> it is the anti-reddit <laughs> well, that's reddit, that's reddit. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Listen, i guess there's like there's like a degree of anonymity on reddit right like i can just of make course all i could like start a fight with myself <laughs> you know, on reddit just to try to, right. like, can you believe this guy said these things mm-hmm. to me? You know, like, play, play up some drama. <laughs> build some oh, drama but, like, on Twitter, you know, it's like I, got, I just got, like, my, my, na- my name and face attached to it. So I'm not going to just, right. like, I'm not going to pick a fight with, like, Scuzzy Gruen. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I
1: don't think we'd have anything to pick a fight with him over, to be honest. But maybe we'll think of something <laughs> for next time.
0: Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. And dear listener, if you're enjoying Call of Discovery, you can join the family through our Patreon linked below, where you can put your own weird and wonderful decks in the spotlight and have a say in our future through the Patreon-only Discord, where we got a couple of the questions for our episode with Nathan of TTR today. Also, let us know what else you'd like to see more or less of in future shows. Please be subscribed on your regular podcast app wherever, you, wherever you're wherever you listening to us. You can also find us on Facebook, Facebook, twitter and uh email us at discover at gmail.com and i believe we're on instagram as well even though i'm not over there you can interact with ed over on instagram i believe
1: i've definitely checked the instagram account in the last month <laughs> <laughs> but we do <laughs> we're, have we're not going to test that one for <laughs> Oh,
0: and most importantly over all that if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast please help them to discover it have you answered the call of discovery